Welcome to Let's Get Uncomfortable, a running podcast where we shake out and purposely go off track on any and everything related to our favorite hobby. Get ready to get uncomfortable along with our guests, because growth only happens outside of your comfort zone. Here are your hosts, Ines Babea, Jamie Chen, and Nathan Schiller. Hello, I'm Jamie Chen. Hi, I'm Nathan Schiller. Hola, I'm Ines Bebea, and welcome to Let's Get Uncomfortable. Our guest today is Tess Sobomihem Marshall, the founder of Running Nerds, who is also a race director. Atlanta was the host city for the U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials, an event that in 2020 saw the largest group of female runners to date. That's right, Nathan, which leads to our sports legacy moment. Today, we will focus on Atlanta's running history, 2019 was the 50th anniversary of the Peachtree Race in Atlanta, also dubbed the world's largest 10K. When it started on July 14, 1970, there were 150 runners, but only 110 finished. Fast forward to 2011, and the race is now capped at 60,000 participants. Tess, you started running in 2010, and now you are a race director with the race, a certified coach, a Lululemon ambassador. What did you see? that made you want to be more than just a runner? Oh, gosh. Uh, that's a great question. I think what really attracted me to it was just the control I had over my own um, growth. You know, as, as youth, you know, we play sports and, you know, it might be focused on making a team or impressing your, your friends, family, parents, whatever, you know, your motivation is. But when you're an adult and you get into a sport, it's more really just like, what can you achieve with your own, you know, challenges? So I think running was just a way for me to, you know, see myself improve every run, every month, every race. And I just got addicted. I became a running nerd. (laughs) So tell us about the race, which was started in 2017. What was the mission? And I remember that like a previous guest, Peyton Thomas, who ran uh, in the Olympic trials, she said that you guys held a dinner for all the black runners the night before. So tell us also about that. What was, why was that important? Oh, absolutely. So the race is a half marathon weekend um, that's hosted here in Atlanta, Georgia. It's a race that celebrates all things black excellence, you know, the growth of the, the black distance runner in the community. Um, we, we have a group of really strong leaders here in the Metro Atlanta area. And there was just so much chatter around, you know, how, how um, different organizations have emerged that are really focused on seeing growth in the minority, particularly black running community, and how we have all these resources, myself as a race director, you know, we have, again, run clubs that are growing nationally, tremendous growth. And so we were like, you know, let's put on a race that really celebrates all that and put, pulls together all those resources. At the same time, we can impact um, a neighborhood, uh, particularly here in Atlanta, um, where you don't really see a lot of running, you know, give some money to some charities, support some small businesses, and um, just really make it a huge celebration. So we actually launched the race in 2017 as a Kickstarter campaign. And for your audience that's familiar with Kickstarter, Kickstarter is basically a platform where you put up an idea and you get people to back that idea. Um, You set a goal. And if you hit that goal with your backers, then you move forward with the project. If you don't hit the goal, 
then you say, you know what, maybe it wasn't a good idea and we'll, you know, try something else with our lives. But we uh, received full backing from the running community nationwide. I think over 38 different states, uh, runners from different 38 different states and I believe like three different countries um, basically pledged their registration fee to back the race. So in 2018, we hosted the first race half marathon and 5K. Um, we had our, our uh, sophomore year in 2019. And then, of course, as everybody experienced last year, we hosted what was probably one of the greatest virtual races of, of all time um, in 2020. So we're really excited for year four to be back in action with a live event. Um, yeah, so that, in a nutshell, that's the race. It's one of the largest supported um, largest races supported by black distance runners. Um, all are welcome to participate, but we're really proud of the fact that we get over 85% of people participating that identify as black African-American um, or um, persons of color. So that's the race. And, um, you know, speaking of uh, Peyton, I'm so glad that she mentioned and she still, you know, has that as a highlight of her, <laughs> her running journey. Um, Peyton, as you, as you all know, she's just an amazing soul, um, such an inspiration. Um, but like you mentioned, we, we knew we were hosting here in Atlanta, hosting the marathon trials. So our team, we identified all of the black runners that were participating in the Olympic trials. And it wasn't a long list. So, um, you know, we, we sent out invitations. Um, I found, tried to find contacts for all of those runners via Instagram, Facebook, if I knew somebody that knew somebody, and it turns out Peyton's cousin is actually a running community member here in Atlanta. So we kind of had a little bit of an end. Oh, that's great. <laughs> with her, um, but we invited her and, and all of those uh, runners to the um, a, a dinner um, that we hosted. We invited the, the running community out and basically just showed them like all kinds of love and showed them how much we supported them. Um, and another cool thing about that dinner, we also had Alephine Tulliamuk was our first guest and she told us that night that she came to win and <laughs> guess what we got the first scoop on who was going to win the women's marathon olympic trials right there first-hand information um but yes peyton joined us um nathan martin who's another amazing runner um he's now i think the the fastest black male marathoner american-born marathoner um, so yeah, that, that's the, that's the story of that, that dinner. And it's still one of the highlights of my 2020. Uh, Tess, you said so much stuff there, but I want to go one place you didn't talk about, which is the course. I read that you designed the course specifically to, um, maneuver through neighborhoods that are not necessarily going to see distance runners, especially in a half marathon. Um, can you just talk about that process and how, what that's like in Atlanta since you know we're New York based we don't know the ins and outs of of your city I don't think so I'd love to hear how how that all came about oh that's a great question Nathan um so the first thing I realized is that 13.1 miles is not very long <laughs> because there's a lot of Atlanta you know um there's a lot of um um great neighborhoods that have a lot of history um that could be considered historically black neighborhoods but when you're planning a race event, I don't know if, if you guys have ever, you know, served on a, a race planning committee, you have to consider things like logistics, like your start finish location, you got to have, you know, a place to be able to get everybody together and be able to start park all that stuff. So we had a couple of places in mind um, as start finish locations. 
So that really determined kind of where, where we would be able to um, kind of spurt out. And we wanted it to be a um, point, not a point to point, an out and back type course, a looped course, sorry, not out and back, but a looped course. Um, so we really cover about seven and a half miles of um, the southwest, more so west side of Atlanta. Um, we are able to travel through um, such neighborhoods as Sylvan Hills, the Dare Park, Castleberry Hill. Um, we just touched the, the south end of downtown. And then we also run through the Atlanta University Center, which is where Morehouse Spelman, Morehouse School of Medicine, and Clark University are located. We run through the West End, Westview, Oakland City, um, and then loop back through Adair Park and Sylvan Hills. So those are the neighborhoods that we run through, and those are all considered West Side or Southwest Atlanta neighborhoods. But let me tell you, Nathan, it, like I said, I realized real quick that 13.1 miles is not long. Like, I mean, there's so much more vast space um, that we could potentially cover, but we, we um, really quickly identified the fact that, you know, most of the half marathons that take place in Atlanta, we have some great courses, um, are all in the Northeast quadrant, which is where a lot of the touristy stuff is. And, you know, um, a lot of the um, more upper, upper um, middle-class neighborhoods. So we're, we're running through areas, like you said, that don't have a lot of like the park systems. You're not seeing people every day running down the street, but you know what, we're seeing that change every year. That's getting a little bit, little bit different. So it, it's an honor to be able to kind of expose those areas to running. And it, it was funny, the very first year of the race, we definitely surprised a lot of people <laughs> with our, our street closures and our cones and all that stuff because they're just not used to seeing that, you know? Well, um, I mean, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I, I'm so fascinated by the race. And we've already talked about the origins. We've talked about the course. And I want to talk about its mission, right? Um, a lot of discussions have happened over the past year. We've seen a lot. Um, and I think that the race has probably evolved since you, you know, started it. Given that all that's happened in the past several years, how do you think the race has evolved now? And where do you see it? in the near future, what more do you want it to bring? Well, I would challenge that statement by saying we haven't evolved. We've just become, oh, okay, that's why they're doing this. Because our, I mean, our initial mission was to run a race through um, historically black neighborhoods that supported local charities and, and supported small businesses. And, you know, even with our charity partners, we, we intentionally want to work with small charities um, you know, not to take away from, you know, the big mega charities that, that do great work, but we really wanted to focus on small business, small charities. Um, we're not a huge race. We're not a, a New York marathon. We're not a Chicago marathon, but, you know, our 1,500 to 2,000 runners are, you know, just as excited and motivated and, and, and they have the, the same expectations um, that they have when they go and run those, those major races. So I think this year has really put an emphasis on supporting local and supporting small, which we intended to do in the first place. So um, one thing that I am noticing is that people are excited about supporting things that they want to see stick around. So you think about like the restaurants and small businesses, like when you had your, your choice of where to spend your money, you know, a lot of us were like, you know what, I don't want to see my favorite you know, corner restaurant, go out of business. I'm going to go eat there instead of 
ordering from, you know, some big box place because we kind of assume that they're going to be there, you know. Um, so we saw a lot of that kind of support. Um, and I think we're poised for just continued growth because, you know, people want to support things that are, are doing good on a local level. And I think that's what we've established. And I'm excited to see how we're going to continue to grow. I think I saw that registration is open for this year. When is the race? Because so the- I'm interested in signing up, I think. When is oh, it? We got to get you in there now. If, if you have a, a conversation with me for more than five minutes, you're going to probably at least think about doing the 5K at least. Um, but yeah, so the race um, opens up registration every year on Black Friday for the following year. So we've been open since um, the day after Thanksgiving. Um, that's when we kicked off our Kickstarter campaign in 2017. So we just kind of keep that tradition alive for every year. Um, and the race is always held in October. We try to go opposite of the Chicago Marathon. Um, so they're usually the second week. They're usually the weekend before Columbus Day. So that's fall in the second weekend of October, the last couple of years. Um, so we are the first weekend in October. Um, so the couple of things that went into the planning of the time of the schedule, you know, we knew from the beginning that we wanted this race to cater to endurance runners. And we know that calendar now, this year, of course, is a little different. But <laughs> yeah, we're part of the world major schedule this year. But uh, yeah, so normally, normal times, you know, the calendar is very thick in the, in the spring. So we didn't want to compete with some of the big spring races. We have some local races here in Atlanta that we definitely wanted to make sure weren't, we weren't conflicting with. So that October date just became like the, first, the best possible date where we, we felt like we wouldn't mess up too many people's, you know, uh, like training schedules for different things. Um, so we're, we're really excited about kind of becoming one of those big October races that everybody wants to put on their calendar. Yeah, and also the weather, right? Because I'm guessing October yes. in Atlanta is not going to be... Yeah, it <laughs> it, it, you're, it's a, a higher percentage chance that it won't be 100 degrees, so... But we did have in 2019, the day of our expo, it got up to 90 because um, we have an indoor outdoor expo on the Friday before race morning wasn't too bad. If you were out there for three plus hours, you got a little bit of heat towards the end. <laughs> All right. So I think I can I think I can commit to a 5K in October. I haven't I run at all. Run. Yeah. Getting sure. back into it. If there's a virtual option, let's do it. So I think now I'm making it official. Like I am sold on this race. All right. No, no editing this part out now. We no, got no, no. We go leave it in. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, Nathan, you got quiet over there. I got two commitments. <laughs> it's just uh, for the noise outside my window. I got to be on mute. <laughs> so do we have a commitment though? With, if I can get, if I can get there, I'll get there. All right. I'll take it. <laughs> So I have um, two questions. You mentioned first, like you, you guys work with charities. Like, how do you select the charities? Oh, and that's a great question. question. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. And then the other question was going to be: uh, I noticed that the the colors of the logo are red, black, and green, which are the colors of the Black Liberation flag. So I wanted to know: was that intentional, and why did you want it to be uh, those colors? Absolutely intentional. Um, red, black, and green, you know, as you mentioned, the Pan-African flag, you know, this race, again, represents all things Black excellence, all things um, that are, are great and good and growing in the Black community. 
So yes, those colors are extremely intentional. Um, and then what was the first question again? Sorry. Um, how did you mention earlier that you guys- uh, The charity. Charities, yes. yes. Yeah, so we actually have um, really evolved that process as well due to the past year. Um, the first two or three years we, um, well, the first two years, I should say, we, uh, our committee kind of selected um, local charities that we could kind of highlight and use our platform to uplift what they were doing. So um, we have f five founding partners of the race. I'm one of the five founding partners. So all of our founding partners were, were responsible for nominating. A, we call them charitable impact partners. And then we have other nonprofits that volunteer as groups. So all of those um, um, charities were considered our, our charity partners. Um, every registration, every single registration, we take $5 from that registration, we put it in a pot, and then we distribute that money over the, the various charitable partners. So in the first two years, we actually gave a, a higher amount to the selected partners and then divvied the rest of the money up to the other charity partners, as well as um, for our community impact service day that we do on the Sunday of the race. But last year, of course, since we weren't just focused here in Atlanta, we opened it up to charities all over the country. To, um, so our racers actually nominated um, charities and we just vetted them based on, you know, just being an established nonprofit that was doing some work in, in the community. And we had, I believe, 22 different charity partners representing various states. I don't have the number of states um, off the top of my head, but so we, we love that. We love the fact that we could make an impact in communities outside of Atlanta. So uh, we actually just opened up our charitable impact um, application. Um, and I can give you guys that link that you can share with your audience. Um, if, if you have uh, runners who are participating, we love for the nominations to come from the runners because then they have a little bit like even more kind of um, pride running the race because they know they're running for a charity that's local for them. And we would love to, you know, get more um, nominees this year. We've, we've already gotten, I believe, 10 applications um, for this year, for 2021. So that's how we do it. And again, it's just all about supporting these local charities and their initiatives. We're not giving, you know, millions of dollars to the charities, but, you know, to be able to give a charity, you know, $200, $1,000, and they can actually tangibly use that money like that, just, it feels really good. That's one of my favorite parts of, the wrap up of the race is writing all those checks to those organizations. I'm going to redirect a little bit. I just want to talk about your name. Your full name is Tammy Lola, which mm -hmm. I was just telling them that I think it's beautiful, but you also go by the name Tess. Is there a reason for that? Yeah. So my, my name is Nigerian, Timmy Lola Sobomihan. That's how I was born. No middle name. Um, and as you can imagine, growing up, I was the girl in school that messed up my name every single time they got to the S's. I just sit there and just wait and just raise my hand. That's me. I'm the one that you're pausing on. <laughs> so for most of my, um, and I'm, I'm Nigerian, my father's Nigerian, but I'm American. I grew up in the States. I've never been to Nigeria. Um, but uh, when I uh, got to high school, people started calling me Timmy, which I didn't mind, but a lot of people didn't know that it came from Timmy Lola. They thought maybe it was like T-I-M-M-Y. So I would get called Timmy, which still some of my high school friends call me Timmy and I don't mind it. So when I went to college, I was like, you know what? I don't want to introduce myself as Timmy Lola because then I get, huh, what? 
is the first response. So I just made up a nickname, Tess, T-E, meaning like no middle name, it's empty, and then S, my last name. That's why it's spelled with one S. Um, and it just stuck. But now, you know, I'll introduce myself as Tess, but a lot of people, if they get comfortable saying my name, which you said it beautifully, by the way, um, they, they call me Timmy Lola. And I don't mind being ca called either one. Um, I get mad at my family when they call me Tess. I'm like, you guys know how to say my name. You don't need to call me Tess. That's for the, for the folks in the back. <laughs> and, you know, part of me, I'm 43 now, and I wish I would have had more courage when I was 21 or 20, how old are you going to start college? 18 to just say, listen, you're going to learn how to say my name and say it. Um, I think now, I think we have more young people who are more empowered. Just like, like you said, there's so much power in your name. So um, that's why I leave my name fully on my Facebook, like all my accounts and everything. Cause at least, you know, you get that introduction and then, then I let you off the hook and like, Oh, you just call me Tess. <laughs> I, and I understand, like, I mean, I, I, I think your name is beautiful and, and I understand Tess and I like the meaning that you chose T-E-S was a singular S mm -hmm. but names are powerful and I, f I feel that nowadays people are more comfortable because we feel like no longer do we have to conform with what people expect of us you know what they should take the time to learn our names and I think I, I felt more impacted when they talked about what happened in Atlanta with the shootings and they said let's just learn to say their names right to honor them absolutely yeah um tess you were mentioning some stuff just about you know youth and childhood i want to know like um how you got into running and if you had any mentors growing up because I'm pretty sure that you didn't start till a little bit later in life but you're very athletic as a basketball player right yeah. um so who was guiding you like who did you look up to when you were a kid in athletics and how did that translate to running once you found running and you know what, what was that journey like yes yeah, so like i mentioned you know, i am a bona fide running nerd and um, that's why i named my company running nerds i'm all into it um you know going through this this past year you know we really i think we all learned to appreciate our personal journeys for running um but before this, I was a basketball nerd. I was all into basketball. I knew every player in the NBA, the NCAA, men's, women's. Now I, I barely even knew who was on <laughs> the NCAA championship teams. I watched a little bit of March Madness. My husband still laughs at me that I don't watch the NBA. Like, I, like He's like, didn't you used to coach basketball? Like, how do you not get into this? And, you know, I can still appreciate it. I can still watch basketball and know what's going on in the court. I can critique and all that good stuff. Um, so, I, so I say all that to say, you know, basketball was definitely my foundation for athleticism and um, interest in sports and teams. Um, I coached women's basketball, college basketball for seven years um, as an assistant and a head coach. And I was a, a junkie on it. You know, I went to every conference. I was, I loved certain coaches. You know, I was a huge uh, Pat Summit fan. May she rest in peace. Um, huge, you know, just studied coaches. So I think what attracted me to race directing was based on my coaching experience, because one thing I loved about coaching was, was taking people from individuals, bringing them together as a team and helping them like to achieve this goal of a season, a completed season. And I translated that really quickly to running. It's like you take all these individuals that are living their lives 
and you put them in this one race and they've all, you know, kind of come together to complete this race. And that's really what attracted me to um, race directing and then eventually coaching runners. I love coaching adult runners. And in my own personal journey, as I mentioned in the very beginning, you know, seeing myself go from like never thinking I could run a mile, like hating running a mile to, you know, I'm working on 10 marathons now. So like, it's just amazing. So, but yeah, definitely I've always had, um, you know, that influence of, um, and I, I like local, I have a lot of like local folks that I admire. I don't really have like, like celebrity. I mean, not that there's a ton of celebrity runners out there, but, uh, you know, there's people in my, right here in my community. I'm just like, man, your journey is just like amazing. You know, I like to pick their brains. So when you started running, did you, who did you run with? Did you look for a group that had, you know, black runners? Did you look for a group that was inclusive? Because a lot of the images that we see always about running is like, it's, it's white people. So how, how did you go about finding the motivation? And even like Nathan was asking like a mentor and then what, what did you look for? Yeah. So I started off like a lot of us do just like running around my neighborhood because we all have that I don't want to be the one that's last or I don't want to be the slow one or I don't want to get out of breath and people look at me we all go through that um so I started off really just running around my neighborhood Uh, I was in Augusta Georgia before I was in Atlanta much flatter in Augusta Atlanta if you haven't figured that out and Nathan it's another thing about our course it is hilly so let me just go ahead and put that out there right now Oh, wait, wait, I'm, I'm going to have to rethink this 5K that I already said. <laughs> 5K no, no, you can't back out. That's my kind of course. So, yeah, so I would go run around. And then when I moved to Atlanta, I actually ran a race the very first week weekend I was here. And after I ran that race, I, again, I just had that feeling of, man, I did that. Like, I went from not ever running three miles to finishing a 5K. And it was, like, the most empowering feeling. And then I didn't run again for almost a full year because I just didn't know other people who ran. And so some coworkers um, asked me to do a 10K and I was like, okay, well, I've done a 5K, why not? It was one white woman and um, my black male coworker. So when you talk about, you know, just examples of running, we were all personal trainers. So we were like, okay, we can do this. We're athletic, right? Um, And so we did that race and I definitely noticed at both of my race experiences, like looking around, weren't a lot of black runners, definitely not a lot of black female runners. Um, so after completing that 10K, and this is 2011 at that point, um, I was like, you know, I think it, and this is a true story, I think it would be fun or empowering to start a black women's running group. Maybe I'll find other black women that wanna start running. The next day I'm on Facebook and I see an ad for Black Girls Run looking for ambassadors. I was like, great, somebody else already had the idea. I'll just jump on board <laughs> with that. So I um, applied to be an ambassador for the Atlanta chapter of Black Girls Run. And I was one of the founding um, members of the Atlanta chapter of Black Girls Run along with my really good friend, Adrian White. Um, and we started that chapter and it is still to this day, the largest chapter of Black Girls Run Um, most active chapter and that's really where I got my start and that's where I met just every friend that I can name right now all my friends I mean that led to me going on amazing trips accomplishing amazing goals 
I even give credit me and my husband to joining Black Girls Run because my friend who I met through Black Girls Run is who introduced us. And yeah, it's been, that uh, changed my life. That decision to apply to be an ambassador absolutely changed my life and gave me the, the confidence and courage to just push forward in the running industry. So that's how you met your husband. You should have like a run on Valentine's Day and some like, you know, finding love on the run. <laughs> I mean, as, as right? Imagine, <laughs> imagine we had like um, running for love as an app, right? <laughs> well, you know, I am responsible for, I think now two running couples and one of those couples has had a baby. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about my impact on the running community. <laughs> So we, we can't talk about running without talking about COVID right now, right? Um, COVID has affected states very differently and states have operated um, their COVID guidelines differently. We're, we're in New York and, and we're still kind of still opening. And I know that Georgia has opened a little bit more. Yes, so um, absolutely, you know, and more particularly, we talk about Atlanta because my races all take place in the city of Atlanta. Um, Atlanta has not um, hosted a road race or festival or large gathering event since the second week of May, of March 2020. So we're still in that state. They just opened up the opportunity for you to apply for permits. And I'm ex super excited that I turned in my very first permit for 2021, um, just yesterday. Um, but yeah, so Atlanta has been on a moratorium for um, applications for permits. There are outside um, counties and cities that have hosted races, um, but we have, um, so again, my, my races are all very small events. The race is my largest event. We host about eight other events in a normal year that range from 250 to 800 participants. So those are considered small events. And, um, you know, we just got creative. We did a lot of group runs, like small group runs um, with, with partners, restaurant partners, brewery partners. Um, and we, we want to meet people where they are in their comfort zone. My, my run group, we have a run group that meets every Wednesday. Um, this is our ninth year. And, you know, we took about three months off at the peak of all the restrictions. And um, we came back right around um, June of, of, sorry, July, no, June, June of last year. And we just said, hey, guys, we're here every week. We understand if you're not comfortable, but we're going to mask up. We're going to run. And then we're just going to go home, like, after so every week you know we saw more people kind of come out get more comfortable you know not making anybody feel bad if they weren't comfortable but also making you feel very safe if you did come out and i think people were grateful for that opportunity i mean for a long time i would say pretty much all of last summer into the fall that was my one time a week when i saw people other than my family you know so i look forward to it i was gonna be out there whether anybody showed up or not just to get out the house and and see people. Um, and I, I tell you, it's like, um, you guys have seen the, the movie, The Wiz, right? You, you know, the, the scene when, you know, the witch dies and everybody just starts coming yeah. out of the shell. That's what it feels like around Atlanta right now because the weather's getting nicer. You know, we're getting more and more vaccinations. Things are starting to open up and it's a new day, you know, so. It's, I'm it's curious, Tess, like, did this give you, did COVID, because of how big of a part running is of your life, did it give you a new perspective on running itself? Like, did it make you appreciate it in a different way or see different things about it in this, you know, journey of going from like 
not really running over, you know, a decade plus to becoming so involved in it. And then suddenly it's totally changed. How do you think about running now if it is different for you? Absolutely. Just definitely more appreciative and not just the running, the community aspect of it is what I think we all can agree we miss, you know, being able to show up to a race and see your friends and hug people. Oh my gosh. I I knew I was a hugger, but boy, did I realize how much of a hugger I was when I had to like consciously not hug, high-fiving, hugging, nudging, all that. Um, You know, we miss all that. But here's another thing I realized, and no shame or knock on my my Peloton people and my online virtual class people. I, I can't knock the hustle of all the trainers out there, but I just, I got to get out guys. I like to get outside and exercise. Um, you know, I did, I did not, I tried so many times to do the, the virtual and online classes. Now I do love the virtual races. I learned to love the virtual races. At first I was like, I'm not signing up for these virtual races, but you know, I found some motivation in those because one, like I said, I like to support these organizations that I want to see continue. So I did like 20 virtual races last year just because I wanted to support the charities and and organizations. Um, I set up a lot of personal challenges for myself. Um, But when we get back to live racing, that that's my jam right there, seeing people and and being able to get out. And it's not about PRs or, or speed or anything like that. I mean, I actually ran a marathon last year because my marathon got converted to virtual. I was doing, I was signed up for Detroit Um, And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to keep training and actually ran 26.2 miles just from my house last year, which everybody thought I was crazy. But I was like, you know, I just want to get out there and say I did 26.2 miles. That's encouraging to like run a race with like, you know, no support, no crowds that that takes a lot. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. But I haven't really ran since, though. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a one and done. Thank you very much. <laughs> Check my Instagram. <laughs> but I, I know exactly what you mean about, like, wanting to be next to people, like, when you're running and you can, you know, inadvertently touch someone and you can rub your sweaty elbows against them and it doesn't matter. And it, you can bounce off and you can stand around, you know, like, doing things talking and that's part of the fun of it and to not have that is very it completely changes it it's amazing that you can run 26 miles on your own and feel like you're doing a marathon because you are but in some way it's like it replaces the real thing but it's not the real thing at all yeah um do you think that there will be like an explosion beyond what you are imagining like do you think that You've talked about the Atlanta scene is kind of bursting, but do you think it's going to be just everyone's going to go absolutely bonkers the next year? I think, um, so this is my prediction. I've been saying this uh, since pretty much the spring started. Is I think 2021, we're still going to have a lot of people who are cautious and hesitant, you know, rightly so. Um, but I do believe that once we get um, a lot more confidence and people kind of get, you're going to have the people that are going to wait and see how everybody else does. So the, the folks that are going to step out there on faith and they're confident, they're going to kind of pave the way. 
Um, but I really believe 2022 is going to be a year that, you know, everyone who is involved is going to come back. You're going to get those new people who, um, you know, maybe started a running journey during this time. Um, and those of us who have been able to maintain um, a positive um, outlook, and I've been saying this since last year, you know, I think people are going to remember those who stayed connected and stayed um, positive through this time. Um, so, you know, running nerds, we've tried to stay poised to communicate with our, our audience through our small events, through our social media. Um, you know, I, I'm, I don't try to be the face of running nerds, but a lot of people associate me with running nerds. So I think the fact that I've been kind of open and positive throughout this experience is going to pay dividends, not only from an um, a event standpoint, but just from like motivating people. So. I hope that uh, I've been a good example. And I think a lot of our great events that have continued to keep, I give a lot of kudos to Atlanta Track Club. I mean, they have done everything they can to keep people engaged and motivated. And we know they're doing it on such a small scale. I know they've had to, to furlough and lay off employees, um, but they've continued to keep, you know, the core Atlanta running community engaged. And I, I believe New York Roadrunners has done the same. They've had some small kind of hybrid events over the years. Is that correct? I mean, they've done a lot of um, virtual races. And I think they started opening up some, I guess, just like test pilots to see what it will work out, where they will have like people, you know, like a stagger star is like maybe yeah. like one to two people per, for 10 seconds and then like limiting like the space. But yeah, New York is gonna be um, a little different. I think, like you said earlier, like everybody's just trying to do like the wait and see. Like, so yeah. <laughs> whoever is the first marathon, like if they do it, then can we do it? So I think is on deck. I think Boston is gonna be is gonna be first. So there's still no. I think people are gonna find that in June whether or not um, they can get they could run the New York marathon. Because I know people that were in for like 2020, then they were given like options to do mm-hmm. 21, 22, or 23. So the people still that waiting. did 20, they're still waiting. I'm still waiting. Waiting for that. <laughs> it's gonna be interesting. I think this year is gonna be gonna be interesting. That that's another word I use, especially when they moved everything to October. It was like wow. Okay. So. But yeah, so but Nathan, to answer your question, you see, I give long answers to questions. I, I think that 2022, we're really going to see a, a boom. And I think it's just going to come from the people who are already there. Um, and then you add on top of that people who maybe were motivated. I, I really hope we didn't lose too many people during this time. That's my, my prayer. Um, so, you know, one thing I've always I said too is like, check on your friends you haven't heard from around. Every, think about all your friends that you used to see on a regular basis. Think about somebody who you may not have seen in a while and check on that person. Make sure they're they're doing okay during this time. Yeah. I mean, it's also been a good way to, like, keep people, like, have an accountability buddy. You know what I mean? Not just to, like, exercise for, like, fitness, but also for, like, mental health. You know, are you getting outside? Are you talking? Are you, are you moving your body? Because I think a lot of, I think I can say that we all took for granted the little things of, like, going to the store or like like especially in New York we're like a very walk-in city so like walk into the train walk into this like taking the stairs I think it's definitely something that uh, we are are you know fighting our way back to find that that level of movement are, are people back to 
comfortability with the train. I didn't even think about that. Like I haven't been on our train now. Our train system is not not the New York train system by any means. What? But Florida? I not even thought about getting on a train <laughs> over a year. Probably still wouldn't. But how's the the train usage in New York? I bike to work, so I don't. And or I run everywhere I need to get to. I would yeah. say In- Inez, maybe you you can best answer that. Um, it has gotten <clears throat> a little bit better. Um, definitely better than what it was last year at this time. Um, I think they said that it might be like at 70%, but also it's not the volume that we're used to because a lot of people are still working virtually, you know, and uh, another big factor was also the kids going to school. A lot of kids took the, the train and they're virtual, so that's not happening. Um, but I think, um, the governor, Governor Cuomo wants to open things up more in mid-May, and then the mayor announced that he wants New York City to be fully reopened by July 1st. So that is going to be is going to be interesting to see how the the MTA, that's who handles our subway, how they are going to be able to like have more more hours because. I did, for a time, they were they were shut down for like five hours a night, which was never done before. It was always like a 24-hour service. And then now they're closing, I think I want to say like midnight to two, mm-hmm. we saw just to clean it. So I think it's going to depend on the, the demand. I think like when people, when they go out to restaurants, you know, how do we get back home? You know, so that that service has to be available. So it's kind of like still like a wait and see. It wouldn't see far. Yeah. It's actually interesting because New York was one of the one of the last big trips that I took. So I was in New York for the 2019 marathon. My my best friend ran it, so I was there as her support. And then we went to Vegas in February for a conference. So Vegas was the last trip trip that we took. And I actually went on a cruise in January. Oh God, a cruise in January! Yeah, so we wow, you all Right. Not to mention the the trials, which was, you know, people packed all up and down. Like we weren't even thinking about hand sanitizer and all that stuff. But yeah, so I say all that to say that, you know, New York, I know how tight it is. So to even imagine it being chilled, it was, was just hard to fathom. What was your experience um, at like at the New York Marathon? What did you think? Well, I ran it in 2014, and depending on what day you ask me what my favorite marathon is, I could say New York. I loved it. I just, I just love, I think um, New York is just like a cool city, just to, I used to say I would want to live there, and I still say that, but, um, you know, I, I, I love it. I think it's great. I love skyscrapers, and of course, the crowd support, bigness of it you know all of it I I thoroughly enjoy I did it the year when it was super windy (laughs) so uh, I have a really good experience um, running it and I've been back three different times to cheer on other friends that have run it so I think New York is convenient like I go to Atlanta every year because my best friend lives there and what I love about Atlanta is the space but it's still a city I can't explain it yeah you can um you can go to a, it's so it's a big city spread out which that's why you were saying um running is interesting out there because there's a, a lot to cover and how do you like do 13 miles but cover enough space because it's so spread out yeah right 13 miles is manhattan top to bottom 
you yeah. can run through a thousand worlds on that race. Yeah. I, I was curious what you thought about New York. Also, like what I was mentioning about the course earlier, you know, we say we're a five borough marathon, but you're in Staten Island for about one step of the race yeah. and, or, you know, half the Verrazano bridge, if you want to be charitable. And, and then the it Bronx, doesn't really cough go into the Bronx. Yeah. yeah. You go over the bridge. It's and, the hypest part, which is crazy. <laughs> it's really a Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah it's, Manhattan race yeah and it leaves out all these amazing parts of the city I mean you know there's so much more than a 26 miles could even pretend to cover but you gotta end in Central Park so you gotta you know it's still a very Manhattan like wealthy parts of the city race yeah well I know you guys are really focused on history and and um history spotlights which I think is amazing um so I'm sure you have seen the um what is it? Uh, the documentary? Was it called um, "Run for Your Life"? What's the name of the documentary about mm. the new mayor, the the race director? Oh, um, Fred Fred LeBeau. Yes, and it, and I saw it on Amazon Prime, I think. Such a great documentary. So when you talk about influences, like I love that documentary. He I'm was like, crazy. I mean, he, he had so many crazy so different crazy. races. Um, he was absolutely crazy, but he made that marathon. The original after- marathon was just loops around the park. Yep. And then, uh, you know, all the, the politicking he had to do to get the race into five boroughs and all that. So, um, I, and I actually watched that marathon. So I watched that documentary before I ran the marathon. So I had a lot of, uh, you know, I was just kind of like head on a swivel the whole time I was running. Like, oh, this is the part. Da, 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 da. So, yeah. Well, speaking of your marathon journey, let's, let's go back a little bit. You started running in 2010. And by 2019, you have run nine marathons with Berlin being your most recent in 2019 and Chicago was your first, what was that experience like for someone who, you know, started running that even like a decade ago and now you're about to do your 10th. So tell us about what was the first marathon? What did that feel like? Well, it's one of those things where like, you just look at it and you're like, if you would have met me 10 years ago, I guess I have to say 11 years ago now. And if you would have told me then that I'd have, you know, almost 10 marathon, nine marathons under my belt, I would have been like, yeah, you're crazy. You're thinking about the wrong person. So I think it's just a testament to whatever you decide you want to do in life. If you become passionate about it, then you can achieve it. I think that's in, in every marathon to me is like this journey of, you know, how when you start a marathon training cycle, you're like, how the hell am I going to get back to double digits? Cause I'm not a year round marathoner. Like I don't run that mileage unless I'm training like a 10 mile week. I'm cool with it, you know, but when I'm training for a marathon, you know, I have a plan and I work my way up and whenever you get that first double digit and then you get that first teens. And then when you start doing those 20 milers, it's like you almost like prove to yourself over again that you're just capable of anything. And, you know, again, no shame to people who do ultras and, run multiple marathons in a year, but my one marathon a year, I did two in one year, one time. Um, but uh, my one marathon a year is like my own personal, like prove to myself that I can accomplish crazy things. So. Well, nine is pretty impressive. It seems, uh, well, after you continue, now you're going for your 10th. Do you have, well, where's your 10th? And do you have a goal for your 10th? Yeah, 10 was supposed to be Detroit last year. Um, so I actually just, um, I had deferred 
to 2021, but I just deferred to 2022 because I'm taking on probably my biggest journey. I'm actually due with my first child next month. Well, whenever you air this, it's probably going to be this month by the time you air this. Yeah, it will be May. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so I deferred uh, number 10 to 2022. I had this quick moment when I was like, I'll be ready for October for a marathon. And then reality kicked in. <laughs> like everybody's shaking their head for those of you listening. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I will not be running a marathon in 2021, which, you know, kind of messes up my one a year streak, but I'll, I'll take this. Can we count having a child as a marathon? Can we just agree that that's at least... I, I think it's definitely more than a marathon. <laughs> I think what it does to your body, I've heard, it's like you're going through a marathon. No, I, I'm definitely not trying to imply that it's as easy as running a marathon or as hard as running a marathon, but just, you know, I'll count that. That's what I did in 2021. Had a baby, so. Um, but yeah, so the Detroit, I, I, if all goes well, you know, Detroit will be number 10. And, you know, if I feel good in 2022, maybe I'll double up and try to get caught up on my one a year goal uh, I do have world majors as a goal so but I'm not in like a rush to do it so I've done three of them I've done New York Chicago and Berlin so um yeah we'll see how you know it goes I, I just want to be one of those like 80 year olds still towing the line that's that's the ultimate goal <laughs> well you're talking about being a runner but what about being a coach you're a certified running coach right what's what's that like and how like how do you hold all of this in your um, in your life, race director, coaching, running? Well, what I try to do is, is multitask everything. Um, I haven't coached um, individuals recently. Um, I've really been focused on race directing and developing our, our events, but I do have um, the certification because as you guys know, when you get into running, people start asking you questions, they want advice. So you know, I wanted to have kind of that backing and that, um, that knowledge. So I did do the RRCA certification and I used my, my coaching certification for a few years to do group, group coaching. I love group coaching. Again, that whole, like bringing a team of people together for a common goal. Um, I did kind of dust off my coaching certification last year and did some virtual coaching during COVID, um, which was great. And, and I told my, my team, I always call us a team, um, like I was doing this for me as much as I was doing it for you guys because it kept me motivated. Um, and then I also have now um, been coaching virtually through an app called Charge Running. Um, so been able to use it in that way. Um, haven't really, again, done much one-on-one -on -one coaching. And I have a really great network of personal coaches that I can refer to. And, and I try to mentor other people who want to get into coaching because I think it's something you have to be really passionate about um, so, you know, I, I would never want to cheat anyone out of that passion. So, you know, I love to have kind of a network of people who are really passionate about coaching and I, I refer a lot of people to those folks. So while you were, if you can be a little bit more detailed about the process of becoming a coach, I'm wondering, like, did you have to like attend classes and if you were there, were there, what was the makeup of the room? Like, were there a lot of women, were there women of color? Um, what did you notice in that space? And like, what did you think about that? How did that make you feel? So the RCA, um, they have a coaching certification program. I'm not sure how long they've been doing it, but as long as I've been involved in running, um, the classes are held um, probably maybe 10 times a year all over the country. They have different um, locations. 
they're typically very tough to get into. They fill up very quickly. I think they have classes of maybe like 30 to 60, depending on the location. Um, so the process, and this is how I think a lot of people go, you start running, people start asking you a million questions about running because they know you run and you're like, maybe I should get a certification. So you apply to be <laughs> uh, to one of these classes. So I actually did my course in 2014 in Myrtle Beach. Um, I actually traveled from Atlanta with two other um, African-American coaches, one male, one female. So um, I believe there were, um, I think other, um, trying to remember my class, you know, it was predominantly white women, but we did have, you know, some, some decent representation in my class. Again, we, I came with two others. Um, I think our class was maybe like 50 people. Um, and, you know, I, I'm just kind of used to being one of a few in those settings. So it was, it was definitely, um, an honor to kind of be in that setting and be able to represent um, at that time, I was still, um, well, no, no, I wasn't a, a BGR ambassador at that time, but, you know, I was still kind of known for being a leader in Black, Black Girls Run. And I think shortly thereafter, that's when Black Girls Run actually partnered with RRCA to get a lot of their ambassadors certified through the program. So we've, we've definitely seen a good emergence of um, minority and Black coaches coming through that program. Currently, you're also, besides a coach, you're an ambassador with Lululemon. What does that mean? How did that happen? So um, I'm actually a legacy ambassador um, with Lululemon. I mean, here's the thing about Lululemon. It's a Canadian company, right? Um, if, for those of you that don't know, you know, Lululemon doesn't really have like celebrity um, endorsed. I mean, I'm sure there are celebrities that wear their products and but you, you, I don't think to this date you've seen like a Lululemon commercial with like some celebrity fit person um, representing. They've always looked for people who are doing things in the community and that's what we are called ambassadors. So I started a run group and we ran out of the run, out of the store in the, in the neighborhood that I started the run group. And they basically, you know, selected me to represent Lululemon um, um, because of the things that I was doing in the community. Now, majority of their, their ambassadors tend to be, you know, yoga and fitness studio folks. So I was one of the first running ambassadors. And, you know, I'm really proud to say I paved the way for, you know, several other um, running ambassadors and minority running ambassadors. Um, because I don't think that the first person you think of for Lululemon and running would have been a black woman if they would have like kind of scripted it out. Does that make sense? And the store that I, um, that I represent is actually in a emerging part of the city. So, you know, it kind of worked out. I mean, they've had um, black um, yoga instructors. Actually, there was a black female yoga instructor. They've had, I don't know if they've had any black male ambassadors at that store, but we have several black female um, ambassadors at that particular store but we've also had um, several other um, black running ambassadors in the city of Atlanta. I think we have four Lululemon stores so it's an honor and I mean I think the company um, does as well as any you know very white you know company does to you know um, give platforms to to um, black runners yogis 
fitness instructors to do the things they do. And the other thing I really love about Lululemon, they're not about having their name as the number one thing. They, they like to support from where you need support. You know, they kind of like comfort your support. They don't say, okay, we'll do this, but you got to wear this and do that. I've never been like told I had to wear the clothes. I just wear them because they're <laughs> amazing clothes. <laughs> it seems subliminal. Oh, yeah. you know, you're going to like us. We don't need to force it, but you'll like us. So that's been my experience. Um, you know, I've run the, um, the Seaweeds Half Marathon, which was one of my inspirations for wanting to put on a half marathon. It's like one of the greatest half marathons. It's in Vancouver. And again, when you go to that half marathon, it's not about like, brand, 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 brand. It's really just about like an experience. They, they really highlight like the city of Vancouver more than, you know, Lululemon, even though, you know, you're going to buy a ton of stuff when you go there. So, <laughs> but it's not like, you know, again, not knocking the, the, the world majors, but like when you go to New York marathon, you're just like slapped in the face with whoever the, the shoe sponsor is, you know, I think we're at New Balance now. Like New Balance, yeah, New Balance. Yeah, yeah. And then you go to Chicago as Nike. And then Nike. you go to Berlin as like Adidas. Yeah. But no, but I'm glad that you mentioned um, that Lululemon partners with people who are doing things in the community because like recently they launched a campaign where they feature Coffee, who is one of the, um, he's the founder of like Running to Protest along with Paramalu who we've had on the show and like who Jamie and I know from like our running days with Nike. And then they also feed, they're also featuring um, Myrna Valerio, who is like yeah. ultra, ultra marathon. So I think it's great that, you know, they're giving, you know, different people with different bodies and different passions, um, a platform. So what do you think that the brands can do to be more inclusive in the mm -hmm. same way that Lululemon is like, you know, paving the way like if people even like yourself like saying like you know these are people who run let's give them a space right well I, I will use this opportunity to make a very big announcement that so you guys are getting an exclusive right here so if you got the foghorn add that in right here but um you know lululemon is also going to be supporting the race this year um and the way they're supporting is monetarily and that's my answer to your question that's how these brands can help these organizations with funds. You know, we've got plenty of clothes. We've got plenty. Ah, I love that. We've got plenty of um, shoes. We've got enough drinks and how, how many koozies and bottle openers and, you know, tons of just swag. We don't need any more swag. We need monetary support. We need opportunities to be able to market to brand and I am so honored and proud that Lululemon, they came to us asking how they can help um, elevate the race in, in 2021. And, um, you know, I was just very straight up. I was like, listen, you know, I, your platform would be extremely helpful, but here's what we are gonna have to do to pull this race off this year. And so they are, are coming in as one of our, um, our sponsors. And again, not looking for Lululemon to be blasted all across you know, the, the race um, name, but um, we, you know, we definitely want to honor that recognition. And I think a lot of these other brands are, are starting to see that that's the best way you can support um, not only just individual athletes, but events with, with their, their dollars and their influence. 
you know, I'm not a, a big politics person, but, you know, I think we all have kind of gotten into politics a little more than we wanted to in this last year. And one thing that we learned from the political standpoint is, you know, it's great to have, you know, all these ideas, but who's going to actually make the rules and the policies and, and put their money where their mouth is, you know? Um, so that that's the one way I think these major brands can can help is by giving their 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 capital and their influence to smaller businesses that you know just need a little bit more push great to hear that there's you're having a really positive experience with them but it makes me wonder like have you had any negative experiences with brands where they kind of you know push you aside and say nah we're not interested because that's not our market or that's those aren't you know that's we're doing something different um does any of that stuff come up yeah i mean i think and i mean i wouldn't necessarily call it negative i just think that for a long time and, it, and there's probably still businesses that feel that way if they don't see the benefit to their bottom line then they're not going to invest and you know i can't get too mad at that um but you know to to further answer the previous question if if they want to show their support in a meaningful way that's how they can do it you know i i um you know i've had great partnerships with a lot of companies that have given us stuff but it's just stuff at the end of the day and that stuff didn't take us to another level it just you know i've got so many pairs of shoes and i appreciate them but those shoes aren't you know helping us to get more people to come out and participate in our events you know the race is um the race itself is a for-profit event it's in a business you know um we do a lot of great things with our, our platform and we want to give a lot of money to the charity and everything so but the charities and everything but you know at the end of the day we're a small business that you know wants to to continue on and you know i want to be able to hire people to work for me one day and say you know i'm somebody's income you know um you know i got my own family i gotta you know contend with and things of that nature so it, you know running earth started as a passion project but it quickly became like okay if this is what you're gonna do you gotta be all in with it and there should be no no shame in that you know corporations don't have any shame you know i'm sure um you know bezos wouldn't have just kept going with amazon if he was just breaking even every year <laughs> you know um so anyway, yeah, I think, um, you know, we definitely had those experiences where it just wasn't the right fit for that company. And, you know, you just kind of move on to the ones that are going to be supportive. Well, congratulations on the partnership. It, it's a big deal that, like you were saying, not just to get swag, it's to actually have funds, you know, when they're saying like, hey, we have a budget, we want you to be part of this as opposed to just like, yeah, we have some extra shoes, we can donate to your party, which is like a, a very different kind of partnership. So you've also mentioned that you make a point to support black owned businesses, especially in Atlanta. So tell us about that. So we have um, in conjunction with the race, we have our race expo. Um, that's typically on the Friday before. And um, we do a little bit on, on Saturday race morning, some of our um, partners will come out but it's just an opportunity for those small businesses to showcase their products, services. We do have our corporate sponsorship platform as well. Um, so we have, in, in the past, we've had um, a local black owned bank. Um, we've had um, the largest uh, 
actually a national company, but H.J. Russell and Company has been a, a sponsor of the race for the last three years, and they're going to sign on again this year. And they're a construction company that's based out of Atlanta. It's built a lot of the skyline of Atlanta. Great history. You might want to check out um, Herman J. Russell. His story is amazing. Um, and so, you know, we were just really proud of our expo. So it's not like you know, your typical race expo because you're going to walk in and you're going to feel like you're at like this like marketplace with black owned businesses, products, services. Um, and, you know, we have other minority owned businesses as well, but we really try to highlight the black owned businesses. And with 2020, 2020 being what it was, again, we were able to expand that opportunity to online businesses um, because we had a virtual expo. So I'm hoping that will can continue to grow as well. So, you know, you got a business in New York, you can market to the race, just like our businesses that are there at our live expo. You're not close to your due date. How has your perspective changed as your body is changing? And are you feeling the pressure of the snapback culture that we see a lot with women and fitness? No, that's not really me, the whole snapback thing. Um, I mean, I just have a lot of positive people around me and a lot of, I know a lot of mother runners. So I think I have my, my of course, my own, like, I don't like to use the word anxiety because I think it gets a negative connotation. I mean, this is my first time going through this. I don't know what to expect. I've never given birth. I've never <laughs> had to take care of a child. I'm the youngest, so I didn't have, you know, si younger siblings. So, of course, all that's kind of like daunting and scary, but I got a great village, a support network. You know, I've had lots of my friends in the running world have had uh, children in the, in the last four or five years. So I've seen that it can be done, but, you know, everybody has given me their, their two cents on, you know, sleep is never going to be the same. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever uh, had a conversation with um, JL Alexander. She's the CEO of Black Girls Run. She has a two-year-old and I talk to her all the time. She's like, Tess, is your life just going to be different? But be ready. But I look at her and, you know, from the outside looking in, she's still leading that organization with vigor and they're constantly doing so. Obviously, it can be done. So I'm just really looking forward to the journey, the, str the struggle and the, the joys of all of it. So um, but I'm not worried about the whole snapback thing. Like I said, I, I thought I might be able to pull off a marathon and <laughs> four months postpartum. And I got real realistic about that. Uh, <laughs> about yeah, halfway I, through. Think I think it's an important conversation as well, because, you know, especially for women and women bodies that like we're always bombarded with these images. Yeah. And they're like, hey, look, like this celebrity got back into like, she's like already back to her previous pre-pregnancy way. Like, you know, and then I think that's in a way very harmful to women that, you know, we, they compare themselves to like, well, if she can't do that, then I think that's also a thing that needs to really be addressed. Absolutely. And, and again, I think it's all about who you surround yourself with. Um, so, you know, I, I pray that, um, you know, my, maybe my journey can be an inspiration to someone because, you know, my biggest thing is just getting through the pregnancy healthy and, you know, I'm older, you know, so I'm not, you know, a 21 year old trying to have a baby. I'm 43, which is very different. Um, so that's been my focus is getting through the pregnancy healthy. And, you know, the next step is having a, a safe um, delivery because you know about the disparities of African-American women and childbirth. And, you know, so that's step two. And then step three is just trying to figure out how to raise this child and, and to be a good person. <laughs> 
so in, along the way, if I can get back to running, um, you know, at a at close to the level that I was before, that would just be icing on the cake. Yeah, and definitely, like, as you mentioned, like, the the mortality um, and the disparity in, in access for, like, women. And I, I don't think it's about access. It's, I think it's also part of, like, the systemic racism in, in, in medicine. Because Absolutely. I remember when Serena Williams had her baby and she was so vocal about what happened to her that she was complaining, like, she felt something in her body. And they were like, no, you probably did that, whatever. But, you know, yeah. she had blood clots in her, her entire life. So she knows what her body feels like. And yet, like, the nurses and doctors were not listening to her. So, you know, just to say that, you know, even someone who is that, you know, her face is everywhere, you know, mm -hmm. knows her body as an athlete, and then still was like, no, yeah, you're not feeling that. It's, it's, and it's a real thing, you know, even here in Atlanta, where, you know, we have probably a higher um, percentage of, you know, it's not hard to find a Black doctor, you know, um, we still have to ask important questions you know i got um i took some virtual classes with a, a black female doctor um childbirth and in education classes and you know even in that course she gave very specific like these are the questions that you need to ask as a black woman when you're in your consults with and you now i've been very happy with my my care thus far um but my husband we're, we're all just very aware of you know the, the disparities and the things that can potentially happen and because a lot of times you don't even know it's happening until after, and then you're talking to other people, you're like, wait, that wasn't my experience. So, um, you know, I'm trying my best to, to be as educated as possible going into it. And, and like you said, just being real vocal about how you're feeling. I think that's really great advice that you're giving um, our listeners, you know, especially women of color. So, you know, the hesitation that they're going to have going into the hospital to be able to find the resources and understand the important questions that they should have, make a list, and then go into it feeling more confident. Yes. So if they, because often we speak with hesitation, and when you speak with hesitation, you get bulldozed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially if, if this is your first time going through it, like, we all know we don't get very good sex education in schools anymore and it was probably even worse I don't know how old you guys are but it wasn't great when I was going through school so I'm sure it's not any better <laughs> um, so a lot of what you learn you're learning on the fly in nine months you know and that's if you seek it out like they're not giving you the information you got to ask the questions so well thank you so much um i think at this point we are ready for the hot mic section of the programming Ooh, hot mic let's go you're here <laughs> you will have two uninterrupted minutes to leave our listeners with a lasting message it could be about anything about maternity about running about you know, whether or not you, you will consider moving to New York or what you will miss about, you know, Atlanta, like the food, anything. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll keep time on my stopwatch uh, well, test. I'll, and minutes. just cut me off, please. <laughs> I, I can tell you from experience, you're going to cover two minutes when, when this child comes. So oh. enjoy yourself in these two minutes. Tell, <laughs> tell our listeners everything you want to say. Yeah. Well, I think uh, a message that I've tried to leave consistently in this last year is, you know, give yourself grace over this past, you know, now we're working on 14 months. 
it's been a year where we've all had to like slow down and self-reflect on just about every aspect of our lives. Someone asked me a question the other day, did I pick up any bad habits during COVID? And when she asked me that, my, my initial reaction was, you know, that I don't think I picked up any bad habits. I think I really just was forced to slow down and think about things and really picked up some, some good habits, some good practices. Um, so, you know, have some grace with yourself. You know, if you weren't able to, you know, write that book that you thought you were going to write or <laughs> whatever it is that you, you, you know, thought you were going to be able to do during this time, um, just know that, you know, this time has been a time that we've all had to reflect on what's important to us. Um, and, and just be poised and ready to move forward in your own time. And if, if that forward movement includes coming to Atlanta and running the race half marathon and 5K, we would love to see everyone come down here. Um, the, the race will be on October 2nd. Um, if you are listening from Atlanta, you can also check out Running Nerds. We have a, a race, series, race series called Run Social Race Series. Um, we'll have our first event on August 28th, which is our ATO Relay 10K and 20K, super fun race. Um, we'll have our one mile race, of course, the race in October. And then we'll also um, have our really hilly but fun ending at Monday Night Brewing 10 miler. Um, so that's what we have going on. You know, I'm going to take this next two, three months to try to get as acclimated as I can to motherhood. And then hopefully, you know, have my little assistant race director with me, you know, leading the way for the rest of the year and see, see how it goes. But I, I thank you guys for the platform, the opportunity, you had some great questions and let's see where we are in a year from now. Time, Nathan. Oh, 202. Oh and it was basically, I started maybe like one and a half seconds late. Let's say it was two on the dot. Perfect okay, timing. I'll take it. <laughs> I wonder how many things you can do in that time while anyone sleeps. You know, like, like, like Timmy is going to be like, ah, Timmy always going to be like, I can clean the house in two minutes. What? Yes. Do, Wait, do you guys, any of you guys have kids? Nathan. Nathan, okay. So you're speaking from experience. Two minutes is, is golden. All right. You can sleep 20 hours in two minutes in those first days. So do you have any, any advice I can pass on to my husband? Uh, advice. Well, how, how is he doing? How's his state of mind right now? He's so cool. It scares me. Like he's like, yeah. no worries. Everything's going to be great. <laughs> then it, then it will be. That's, that's exactly how I was. And you know, you'll, you'll be good. He's not going to pass out in the delivery room. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he'll be fine. He'll know exact. He'll somehow know exactly what to do. Well, Tess, Sobo, Mihin, Marshall, Thank you so much for joining us. You've got so much great energy. Um, it's been wonderful to have this conversation, to hear about all your work. Um, incredible work, considering you only started running not so long ago. And I look forward to hearing so much more. And thanks for giving us some insight into um, the running scene in Atlanta and all that you're doing for you know, your communities down there. Um, I want to thank my co-hosts, Inez and Jamie, and of course, the listeners. I hope you all join us next time on the next episode of Let's Get Uncomfortable. Thanks for listening to Let's Get Uncomfortable. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review us on the App Store and follow us on Spotify.